Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. Welcome again to Set for Life. Today's message is called Shofar So Good. The Shofar of God is the trumpet of God. We're in 1 Kings chapter 1 still, where David makes Solomon king. Then King David answered and said, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, Just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place, so I certainly will do this day. Okay, guys, we know that David learned a lot in the past. He learned, don't try to fix things yourself. That's where you mess things up. You remember when he had Uriah killed so that he could have his wife Bathsheba, and the more he tried to cover up that murder the worse things got. You ever tried to fix problems and the more you try to fix them, the worse they get? Well, that's what happened here with David. But the Lord had always saved David from his troubles. That's what's interesting. Troubles that David caused on himself. And so David learned to trust the Lord completely that he was bold enough to actually give Bathsheba an actual promise. He gave Bathsheba an actual guarantee that Adonijah would not rule that Solomon would have the throne. That's interesting to be able to make a a, a guarantee like that. And here's why. Because the last time that David's throne was threatened to be taken from him, it was when Absalom tried to steal it. David fled. You remember that? He ran out of Jerusalem and took off. But now this time, with Adonijah trying to steal the throne, David is sick. He's about to die. He didn't have the power to get up and run away. He's on his deathbed. Even though he was about to die and he had no power of his own to ensure any guarantees at all, David still said, as the Lord lives, Solomon will be king. David did not say, as I live. That's, that's where the big kicker is right there. Did you catch that? David didn't say, based on my power, based on my ability to get up out of this bed and run off and do things. David is, is admi- admitting, I have no more power left. I'm done. I have nothing I can do. That's why he said, as the Lord lives, that Solomon will rule and Adonijah will not. David's not running off this time like he did last time. He can't. And so he has really learned how to hone his faith in and focus it on what the Lord can do based on the Lord's authority, on the Lord's power, on the Lord's covenant promise, on what God said he would do rather than what man can do. You see, David tried to fix everything, and he always made it worse. Now David's learned. He learned how to say, according to God's authority, as sure as the Lord lives, not as sure as I live. David's he's firing on all cylinders now, I'm telling you. So he made that guarantee. He knew he could trust in the Lord God. 
And to think that all of us are supposed to trust in the Lord God like this too, and we should. 1 Kings one thirty one. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Let my lord King David live forever. And King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and take him down to Gihon. Therefore let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel, and blow the horn, and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, and he shall be king in my place. For I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. That means I agree. Yes, let's do this. Amen. May the Lord God of my Lord the king say so too. As the Lord has been with my Lord the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. Now, that's good. Everybody's getting excited about this. This is God's choice. It's coming in. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. And now it's odd to hear Bathsheba say, long live the king, though. I mean, that always kind of bothered me when I saw movies or something like a king dies in the movie and then they say, long live the king. Well, what do you mean, long live the king? He just died. What's going on here is it's an ancient expression that was intended for people to call a blessing, not just on that person, not on just David in this case, but also for their entire legacy, their family line, their household. What's going on is they were calling for blessing on the covenant of David, his family line. May long live the king, long live his dynasty, long live his house, his family, his descendants on the throne. That's what they meant. He still had the gift of strategy. And so he called for basically all the people that Adonijah did not invite, (laughs) a big mistake for Adonijah. He invited everybody to come to the, the coronation, the kingly celebration party. David called for Zadok because he was the high-ranking priest. Nathan was the prophet of God, of course. And then Benaiah, the highest-ranking soldier. So you've got prophet, priest, and soldier assembled at the command of the king. And let me tell you, with rank like that, these boys are going to get stuff done. You watch it. Adonijah was a fake. He was a counterfeit king. When, you know, to learn how to spot counterfeits, you don't study counterfeit bills. You study the real bills. That's what they teach bankers. They get the banker to understand a real bill only. Just study the real stuff. And they can spot a fake quick. Adonijah was a fake. And David's group had real authority, though. Counterfeits have no authority, but David's group did. They had the authority to show all the people that there was no question who the real king is about to be and who the counterfeit is. Solomon is about to be the real king. Adonijah is the counterfeit. And so now he said, put Solomon on my mule. Doing this, putting Solomon on David's mule, it would show the people that this would be their next king. He said, take him down to Gihon. How many people are you going to pass all the way to Gihon? That's going to publicize it quickly. He had to run him by everyone to see him on David's mule, then they would understand, hey, this is going to be the next king. They would say, oh, they're taking him down to be anointed. And remember, kings are not elected. They are anointed. You do not elect kings. 
When Jesus comes back, he's not going to take an election to see if everybody approves of him ruling or not. He's going to rule whether you like it or not. And the majority is probably going to say no. He's going to rule anyway. You cannot stop that. We need to remember in this story, Adonijah had probably a majority of the people behind him. And that's why he felt confident enough to have his little king party. But what Adonijah did not have, he did not have the anointing. And so both of the kings before Adonijah, those two kings were Saul and David. They were both anointed, if you can remember back to our previous study in 1st, 2nd Samuel. They were anointed by Samuel. That validated their reign. And so God said of Jesus in Isaiah 42 and 1, he said, I have put my spirit upon him. That was the anointing that made Jesus to be our legitimate, the eternal king. Jesus is king as he had that anointing. No king holds an election to see if the majority is going to approve of him. Kings are anointed, not elected. And so Solomon was sent on David's mule down to Gihon to be anointed. And to my Hebrew friends, if I'm saying these words wrong, I'm a fifth generation redneck Texan. I have no idea how to say Hebrew properly. I try, but just take me for what I am, okay? (laughs) He went down to Gihon to be anointed. That would validate his role by God before Israel. Now, this riding on David's mule, is there a big thing with that? Well, of course there is. This was not just any mule. You know, this mule would have had a saddle, and it would have been a royal saddle. It's not just going to be your average worker saddle thrown on this mule. It was going to be adorned with much royal bling, I would call it. It would have been set apart. There would have been gold, maybe tassels, maybe bells on it. It would have been a most beautiful saddle you ever saw. For Solomon to be riding on the king's mule, that's kind of like the president of the United States saying, hey, why don't you take Air Force One and go fly down to where we're going to activate your, you know, you would show up in Air Force One, man, that really means something. That is an entrance right there. People would look and say, wow, he showed up in that. He must really have authority behind him. Well, that's what David was trying to say to Israel. Take my mule down to Gihon, pass everybody along the way. They're all going to see that you are going to be the next king. Now, Adonijah, it says, was good looking. If you remember earlier in 1 Kings 1, he was good looking. He looked great, but Solomon had the authentic royalty behind him. Adonijah did not. Solomon on this mule, he would have been spectacularly observed as king. Now, let's get the picture going on here. There's two different springs that fed most of the water to Jerusalem, and one was at Gihon, where Solomon was headed, and the other spring was at Enrogel. That is where Adonijah was having his little king party at, okay? In fact, the spring of Gihon fed most of, if not all, of Jerusalem's water supply. What we have going on here were two different royal processions that were happening at exactly the same time. One was attended by rebels at Enrogel, and the other procession was attended by God's chosen men at the spring of Gihon. Two different springs, two different groups, but only Solomon's guys had the prophet Nathan and the Rankin priest Zadok, and also the commander of the military going on. So Solomon was to be anointed with oil, which is indicated by the Spirit of God being upon Israel's rightful king. And David also commanded them, if you saw, he said, when you do this, blow the shofar. 
the shofar, that's the trumpet. That is a trumpet of God, the shofar. And that is the way to announce royalty. David said, when you do this, when you anoint him with Solomon, I want you to blow the shofar, he said, because why? The shofar announces the coming of a king. The shofar announces the coming of a king. And when David commanded all these things to be done, he used his authority, his kingly, royal, God-given authority to legitimize Solomon as the one true king of Israel. He said in verse 35, I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. So the reason David said Israel and Judah is because if you remember the rift that we saw starting to divide the nation, Judah from the rest of Israel. That's why he said that. Now, 1 Kings 1 and 38. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and took him to Gihon. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the horn and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. Now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the horn, he said, Why is the city in such a noisy uproar? (laughs) While he was still speaking, there came Jonathan, the son of Abiathar the priest, and Adonijah said to him, Come in, for you are a prominent man and bring good news. Okay, I don't think Adonijah gets it yet. I think Joab has a clue, but the celebration of the king, it was so loud that everybody all the way over at Enrogel was able to hear them in Gihon. Now, even though they could hear them, the depth of what was actually going on didn't really hit them until they heard the sound of the shofar. Let me say that again. They're partying. All's good. Everything's great. Oh, what a time. And then they heard the noise, but it didn't really make them go, uh-oh, until they heard the shofar. You see where it says they heard them as they ate, but when Joab heard the shofar, when he heard the trumpet, that's when he asked, hey, what's all that noise? You know, I'm thinking of that song, Stop, Children, What's That Sound? Everybody, look what's going down. That's all the song singing you're going to get out of me. But they were celebrating like there's no tomorrow. Life just can't get any better. Man, this is the life. But then suddenly that shofar sounded and they got the realization, I think I'm at the wrong party, Bubba. I think I'm in trouble. So Jonathan showed up and you notice how Adonijah called him a prominent man. Oh, come in, you prominent man. You have good news. It's like Adonijah could will good news out of thin air. If he wanted good news, he could make it happen by pronouncing it. No, it's not good news. Adonijah, I think he knew what the horn meant, but he was in such deep denial over the sound of this shofar that it was difficult for him to accept the fact that someone else was having a bigger party than his. Somebody is greater than him. Oh, when you, guys, when you elevate yourself, when you exalt yourself, you get so proud of yourself and you think nobody's bigger than you that when you find out there's somebody that is bigger than you, it's a hard time accepting that. That was Adonijah's problem. 
There's a party bigger than his out there, and that could mean only one thing, that there's a bigger king out there than me. There's a bigger king than me? Uh Uh-oh. You know, it's almost funny when he asked Jonathan, you've got good news, right? Oh, you prominent man, you Mr. Fluff and Puff here. Oh, you prominent man, you have good news. It's like, you better tell me something good. (laughs) That's not what happens. 1 Kings 143. Then Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, no, (laughs) look at that. No, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and they have made him right on the king's mule. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. And they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is in in an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. Also, Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom. Bum, bum, bum. It's over. Not the news Adonijah was hoping for, but right there where it says Solomon sits on the throne. That right there meant game over for Adonijah. Because once Solomon sat on the throne, that meant his reign had just officially become active, effective immediately. Now it's on. Solomon's king. That's it. It's done. This was enough to make Adonijah cry. But wait, there's more. 1 Kings 147. And moreover, the king's servants have gone to bless our Lord King David, saying, May God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and may he make his throne greater than your throne. Then the king bowed himself on the bed. Also the king said thus, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has given one to sit on my throne this day, while my eyes see it. So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each one went his way. You know, (laughs) it's all fun and games till the shofar blows. Solomon was on the throne, his reign was activated, and to back it up, to legitimize his reign, David's officials, all David's guys, I mean, the whole government has run in there to Solomon to bless him and congratulate Solomon, which meant there is no way, Jose, that Adonijah could possibly become king now. All of Adonijah's friends that were partying with him, yay, we did it, we're friends with you, we support you, good going Adonijah, we're behind you, your agenda has worked, we are with you, man. All of a sudden they left, just like that, bam, they're gone. They left him high and dry, call them fair weather friends, they left him, they got out of there, they didn't want nothing to do with him after that. But David's people remained loyal, they stuck it out with him. Once that shofar sounded... Adonijah's people proved that they never had loyalty to him at all. 1 Kings one fifty. Now Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, so he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon, for look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Now, I want you to remember, whenever a king took his throne, all offenders to his rule were condemned. Condemned usually means they were killed because they were not going to allow a threat to their throne to remain. And that's the whole reason in the first place why Bathsheba and Nathan pleaded with David, because if Adonijah got the throne, then they would have been counted as offenders. They were afraid for their lives. 
But now that Solomon sat on the throne, Adonijah just became the offender. And that's why he was afraid of Solomon, because he knew Solomon would kill him. So then Adonijah, what does he do? He runs all the way down to the tabernacle, and he grabbed onto the horns of the altar, because it is at the altar, that's where people would ask for merciful atonement, forgiveness of their sins. And so Adonijah held onto the altar horns as his desperate way of pleading for mercy from King Solomon, because he knew he was supposed to be executed for his offenses that he had committed. 1 Kings one fifty two. Then Solomon said, If he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent for him to bring him down from the altar. And he came and fell down before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. Now, pretty direct there, wasn't it? <laughs> Solomon could have very well had Adonijah execute him. Because Adonijah, he basically deserved it for all the seriousness of his crime that he had done. Now, I want us to recognize something here. He came and he begged, and Solomon gave him mercy. Solomon gave him mercy. Now, I want us to understand how serious of a thing that this was that Adonijah had done. Adonijah tried to take a throne that was not his. He tried to steal the throne from God's chosen man. And that was in direct violation of the will of God because he was actually working against the Davidic covenant, against God's choice. Now, Solomon was of the line of kings by which Messiah Jesus would come to save all of humanity. And so you can see how Satan moved Adonijah, just like he had tried to do with Absalom, to try to break God's covenant promise to stop the Messiah from coming, to try to make God a liar. Do you see how serious a thing this was that Adonijah had done? That's how big it was. God is not about to, for one second, to allow anyone to mess up his plans. Nobody can. Nobody will. God is in control. But despite the severity of Adonijah's offense, when he pleaded for his life, Get this, people. I want you to really get this. If you're daydreaming, come back to me right now. If you are if you hear me in the background and you're like, okay, whatever, I, at least hear this. Adonijah did a very serious offense, but the king gave him mercy. He granted him mercy. Did he deserve it? Absolutely not. Was he against the throne of Solomon? Yes, he was. He tried to take it. He should have been killed, but the king gave him mercy and he spared his life. Now, this is a good Jesus parallel for us all here, and that we have all been counted as offenders against the Lord Jesus as King. We have all tried to take a throne that was not ours by telling Jesus, no, I'm going to rule, not you. And whenever we told the Lord Jesus, no, then that made us offenders to his reign, deserving of condemnation. However, We can come to him, to Jesus, to the king, to ask forgiveness so that he might have mercy on us. Just like how King Solomon had mercy on Adonijah. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.